welcome to Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. Across from me, eating cashews, is Shane Bishop. My name is Mike Wooten. We are really glad that you're joining us for the show today. Hey, Boomer. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Boomers, millennials, intergenerational conversation between Shane and I. We're really glad that you're with us. If you're new with us, we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast, review it, share it with your friends. The purpose of this podcast is to help you navigate through the changes in your life. We also want to welcome in our Twitch audience today. <laughs> There's nobody on there. There's no one on there. There's no one on there. But so we're welcoming in our theoretical Twitch exactly. audience. If we had a Twitch audience, by gosh, we'd be welcoming them right now. You know what, Shane? Isn't that a part of leadership? Sometimes you have to cast a vision, and people are just going to walk into it. So there's an open door for Twitch for us right this now. This might be one of those generational things, right? Because a lot of people I, don't realize this, I have Mike, no... but I'm older than you. Yeah, well, if I mean, look people at our... look at the picture, and they think, wow. Yeah. You know, these guys are the same age. No, I'm actually 20 years older than Mike. And maybe one of those gener- – I think we see generational things on the show. For example, if I was shooting this show, yeah, I wouldn't have an iPhone on a stand <laughs> broadcasting to an audience that doesn't exist. But you, Mike, <laughs> you, Mike, you're there, man. Are you getting into the self-absorbed part of being a millennial? No. We need cameras no, on us. We need no. the attention. We need to look at the likes. No, and just because you welcome a theoretical audience, maybe that's an act of faith. Yeah, that's what I'm trying. Maybe like you're like the new Abraham, not... <laughs> A stereotypical. That's right, and wasn't yeah. I think I've heard you preach before. Abraham was the first uh, to really where the word faith came on the scene, right? Yeah, and he so I called that which was not as though it were, and God reckoned it to him as righteousness. That's what you've done here, Mike. You've called an audience that doesn't exist. Yeah, you've spoken to them as if they did exist. Yeah, and now my question is: Are is it reckoned to you as righteousness? Hey, Boomer, you know, uh, <laughs> we millennials need as much affirmation as we can get. I like it, yeah. So, so Shane, we are going to talk a little bit about, uh, I am an old millennial. Okay. You are a young Boomer. I am, that is true. And that's kind of where we land on this uh, generational type of label. None of these, you know, there's stereotypes with both of our generations, and, we, you know, we can talk about this in, in general terms, of course, but uh, what... Maybe we'll start out with today. Just what do you think of? Uh, when did you? How about this? When did you first start to hear the word millennial, or when did that come? Do you know when that started to come across uh, your mind or come across? Yeah, I think when the when my generation got looking at the fact their kids weren't turning out real good, we needed a term for them collectively. <laughs> collective term to make us yeah. think we hadn't individually failed, Mike, because <laughs> we raised you all. Yeah, that is that is very true. Different parenting styles. I think I heard you and Melissa talk about one time there, there's a couple uh, parenting styles. One, I don't, this isn't the one you use, but there, but this may have been one that was used on me, is that you kind of let the kid do what they want, or you give them a lot of freedom. Is that, Wasn't that one of the things going on when you were uh, raising kids? Uh, no, no. I, I think... <laughs> I was raised <laughs> no, by, by parents who, who just, it was it was kind of like children are, are a necessary evil in so many ways. 
And we were expected to, to shut up, have good manners, stay out of the way. Yeah. I mean, it was to say the world didn't revolve around me as a child would be one of the great understatements of our time. And, and I think we, because we came from that, and maybe, I mean, I wasn't in this situation, but I know a lot of, of people I know said, you know, they were, their dad never told them that they loved them. Yeah. And, and, and so I think there was some distance there. I, I think the corporal punishment, which, you know, I mean, we're all fine, but I, I think it was kind of distant, <laughs> at, at times kind of harsh. Right. And, and we responded to that, <laughs> maybe overcorrected. Mm. And we overcorrected and probably didn't discipline our kids enough. It's kind of like when you run off the road right. to the left yeah. and you grab the steering wheel and you jerk too far yeah. right. Yeah. I, I just wonder if that's not what happened. Yeah, and in very general terms, like you just said, okay, a dad, not your dad, but dad, a dad in general maybe is not saying I love you. But gosh, when you get out of line, you're going to get a good spanking or something yeah. like that. That can be a little confusing for a child, right? Yeah. What, what you didn't get was a lot of affirmation. Uh-huh. What you got was a whole lot of whoop butt. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. what you got. And then I, I wonder if we didn't just switch that out of our own uh, collective reality where we said, you know what, let's just kind of go really low on the whoop butt. Yeah. And let's go really high on the affirmation. Yeah. And, and we, I hate to say what my generation missed one direction maybe your generation got missed in the other direction it could be and i do think there's a little bit more of a balance happening and again very general about how uh parents now who have young children who are these millennials like me you know it's like uh there has to be discipline there has to be affirmation at least for me in my life who knows how this is going to go when someone interviews me in 20 years uh, or when we're talking in 20 years on this podcast right uh, but maybe uh, I would or maybe some of us would have found a balance with both that's kind of my hope with it if you don't mind if I offer a compliment to, yeah. to people your age yeah. uh, I, I truly believe that for the most part that the the men I see that are your age Mike I, I think are better parents than we were I think are better fathers. I think they're certainly more attentive husbands. I think we were sort of handed down some of the mentality from uh, a, an era in post-World War II American history where we were affluent enough as a culture that a lot of times, maybe for the first time ever, you had stay-at-home moms. And so we were the recipients of that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that when the economy changed and, and, and really expectations of women changed yeah. uh, and put women back into the workplace, I, I think that we kept some of those same mentalities and I think it became very, very difficult for women. We expected them to be as domestic as our moms who were housewives yeah. and still have careers. Yeah. And then we... It took the advantage of the affluence that the extra income gave. And so I look at you guys and most, you know, many of the people your age are two income families, two career mm-hmm. families. But I see men more attentive. Mm-hmm. I see them doing more around the house. I see them taking less for granted. And I think some of those stereotypical roles. Yeah. have been renegotiated and they should have been. Well, I love staying on the positive with that. So I think what we could do here, Shane, is we could just talk about some positives that we see from each one of our generations as we try to 
because there, no matter what, there's a gap, right? Right there, now, there's, between there's mo- a gap. There's a huge gap, especially yeah. for the younger millennials and probably the older boomers. But uh, maybe we can kind of help people navigate through this and build a bit of a bridge. And then, how do we talk to each other? Let's let's move toward that. Okay. You know, I, I think one of the things that is great. I know in mediation. They always begin mediations by pointing out what people have in common or what they appreciate about each other. That's great. And then from that, it's a positive place. And from that, you can handle some of the more challenging things. So let's talk about the positive things that we see in our generations. And then let's talk about how maybe we can better talk to each other and better work together as generations. Okay. What are some positive things from your generation that you see, Shane? You mean of my batch of people? Of your batch of people, yeah. Well, I, I think my generation, you know, one of the things I, I think we've got to all remember is no matter which generation you're in, the pre, the generation that reared you think you're going to take the world to crap. Every generation thinks the young people are going to take the world to crap. So this isn't new, Mike. Yeah, uh-huh. This isn't new. And I think a lot of people in my generation, um, you know, we're probably... Some of the older baby boomers are coming from World War II veterans. Some of the younger baby boomers, maybe Vietnam-era veterans, Korean War is going to set in between. But when I really look at that, I think there's a sense of duty Mm, with our generation. Just sort of a suck it up and get it done kind of attitude. I think there is a sense of working for a common good. I think there is a a sense of what I'm just going to call patriotism. Yes. In, in in the sense that we believe that the American system, though it is flawed, we believe that it's the best system of government in, in the history of the world. And and we do have some belief in that. Uh, I think my, my generation has been fairly successful. Yeah. And I'm talking about in a financial sense. So I, I think maybe those would be some of the things. And, and we might end up being, from a church perspective, we might end up being the last generation to be true church people in terms of that every Sunday attendance, tithing your, your income, and all of those kind of things. And, and we probably are the last generation to truly bring in the set of values that came from our grandparents who were somewhat sculpted in the 20s, our parents who are sculpted World War II and, and Korea to the early Vietnam. I think some of those values we have carried forward, and I think some of those values are good. I think some of those values weren't as good. How about you? How about your generation? What do you like about think, your group? Well, I think that we think a little bit more relationally than another. We think more about relationships and friendships uh, uh, than maybe other generations. We, we care about those relationships and friendships to a can, fault. Can I offer a, a thought yeah. on that? Because I think you're exactly right. In my generation, Mike, if we got offered a better job somewhere in another city, yeah. you just took it. You're right. I mean, the whole thing was to climb the career ladder. Yeah. You didn't sit and think, gosh, we're going to take the kids away from their grandparents. <laughs> or I'm going to leave my family yeah. behind. Or we've got great friends we're going to leave behind. I mean, job was kind of yeah. everything. So I do think you're right there. I think your generation considers, I know people who have passed up jobs because they loved our church and yes. they just wanted to be a part of our church. That is a very different thing. And there have been people who are willing to leave jobs in other parts of the country to come here that's right. for the for the church. And, and But that's absolutely right. I also think 
if we're talking about kind of identifying with uh, a lot of us from my generation, we didn't have strong nuclear families. And so a failure of my generation. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, well, I think we should bear that. Yeah. And so sometimes uh, dad wasn't there or dad was not uh maybe what we needed a dad to be and this this isn't a cry show or anything but the point is is that whenever we found connections with other people we began to value maybe overvalue those connections with the, with friends with uh with others because we never a lot of us didn't really feel that in our family and so the the point is we all look for that and there's insecurity in it when you don't have it yeah. and uh and so I do think there's a shadow side of that as well, uh, but at the most fault, we do uh, really value relationships because a lot of us didn't have them. Well, Mike, compare the divorce rates between uh, the group of people who were the parents of the baby boomers compared to the baby boomers themselves uh, because I, I think we were so career and success-oriented, maybe trying to prove ourselves in, in peacetime mm. uh, yeah. that we were valuable people even though we hadn't fought in, in the wars and all of those things, I do think the casualty was marriages and families. And whereas for a lot of people my age, the the, the basic building block of life was the nuclear family. Yeah. Uh, a lot of those, half of those, really exploded for your generation, yeah. and that's my generation's uh, fault. Yeah, some of us became uh, parts of other families and, and, and all of that as well. I think you extended one, family, didn't you? They you became, had to extend the concept. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, for, for some people, uh, many older men became father figures for yeah. them. Not just, you know, one person can't replace your, your dad, but you have many people there who became those uh, father figures. But there's a lot that, that goes on with that. But that's why I think there's sometimes this uh, relationship thing and, and how these other people uh, become a part of your family that aren't related to you. Organic growth is something that I do think is good, but it's also kind of, uh, it, it's gotten away from building structures. You know, uh, but we really value organic growth uh, happening. Uh, another thing, emotional intelligence, I think, is something that's really important for my generation. And frankly, can, cultural intelligence is another thing that my generation has that seems... You know, one thing I've been impressed with with you, Mike, and I've said this from the time you came, but you, you do have some uh, some strong emotional intelligence. And, and you just seem to be able... You, you, Maybe and, and maybe just having to learn to function in the absence of clear nuclear healthy families. Yeah. But you seem to be able to function in uh, in a little more unstable atmospheres and, yeah. and keep it cool. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I grew up, there was me, my sister, my mom, and yeah. my dad. Yeah. And and that was kind of our, our world. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you got out of that world or if something happened that mm -hmm. threatened the boundaries of that world, yeah. we weren't particularly resilient. I, I see resilience yeah. in you and in a lot of people in your generation. And I think that resilience has led to some emotional intelligence. You guys are able to function fairly well in a variety of circumstances. It stresses sometimes people my age yeah, thinking right. you're so comfortable yeah. in such absolutely well, terrible circumstances. Absolutely. And, and, uh, yeah, one of the things that I really love about, and I'm, do we want to get into right now about how we can talk to each other? Where do we want to go next, Shane? Well, I think uh, I think what we're doing now is just riveting. 
Riveting, exactly. It's riveting. Let's do one or two more thoughts on what you like about your generation. All right. A couple other things we like about our generation. I like that we uh, embrace technology. I mean, we love to embrace technology. If you should be clear with Twitch and all of that, uh, there's a lot of us who just, the next thing, let's check out the next thing, the next social media platform. Yeah. Let's check it out. Yeah. Uh, next iPhone, right? The next iPhone. Yeah. And obviously, it's going to have a Next shadow. generation of tennis shoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, deep in my heart, I think technology is like a tool that sucks. So deep, in, great. deep yeah. in my heart, I believe this. When I was growing up, we had four television stations. You had an aerial on the top, uh, an antenna on the top of your house. And we got two regional TV stations. We got PBS, yeah. which was close. Yeah. And then if you turned your aerial manually towards St. Louis, you would get a third. We got four TV stations. Mike, there was always something on. There was always something awesome on. Yeah. Now I get 8 yeah. million TV stations. There is never anything on. Yeah. For me, that sums up technology. We are sitting here right now on Twitch, which every time I hear it, it kind of makes my eye start going up and down. But we're sitting here on Twitch with no one watching yeah. us. But you're fascinated by, by the opportunity to dream yeah. about a new platform yeah. and new things. And every time here at the office, they tell me, hey, we've got an upgrade coming. You know what I think to myself? Yeah. Everything yeah. I know how to work, yeah. I won't know how to work anymore, and I just can't get past the fact yeah. it sucks. And, and for me, it's like a switch. The old platform doesn't work or the old technology, let's just move on. Let's try the next thing. Yeah, I got an iPhone 6. Yeah. So here's one of the positives that I think comes from, and the part of this is the consumer culture as well. But I know you're right. There's lots on TV that is just terrible, and, and just terrible, not just uh what they're saying but content wise it's just bad content but there is better and better content being made because uh in this consumer culture you know you just kind of let it go if something's bad you don't have to watch it and now with these subscription services you can go and you can buy other things and then it's just creating better and better content well you say that but i think it creates worse and worse content okay. because the people who are watching it mm -hmm. clearly love crap so take all this, these new reality yeah. shows about highly dysfunctional people, and maybe that's what's great. Yeah. Maybe people sit in their own lives, and they think, you know what? My life is bad, but it's not as bad as those people. I don't See, know what it is, but I, I think that I, I will often say to Melissa, there'll be a commercial on for the most ridiculous, stupid show in the whole world. And I'll say, Melissa, do people actually watch that stuff? And she says, they must. <laughs> So I'm not at all convinced. You're not that convinced good at all. Good content See, is market driven. I think drivel. People buy drivel no. by the bucket load. See, I, I disagree. I think that this is making it a competitive environment. I think there's better stories being told. I think there's better acting happening. I think more documentaries, better documentaries are being made. Now we might talk about the of. Uh, validity of those or what their agendas are in some of those or the moral quality of some of those. But I think in general, it is better, more thought out and, and uh, just creative content out when there. When David Attenborough dies, and let's, let's be honest, he could be immortal. I don't know. When David is, Attenborough dies, he's the guy that with the old guy with the English accent that narrates all the animal planet stuff, okay. all the animal shows in the whole world. When he dies, yeah. there's nothing left for us. There's nothing less for us. It's going to be the Alabama, Florida, yeah. shoreline television show. Mike, it's just horrible, man. We're hanging on by a thread. All right, we definitely have some disagreements. Shane, what do we have in common? 
What do these generations have in common? I guess it comes down to values. What do we value, uh, in my opinion? And I think one of the values, you all value family, though. We do. You value family. Our generation values family. We may look at family a little bit different. I think that's one of the issues in our culture. But uh, that could be common ground, right? We both value family. And and what if we could take, um, what if we could take the secure concept of family that a lot of people in my generation was raised with, mm-hmm. and what if we could expand that, yeah, like your generation did out of necessity. Uh, my preaching professor Fred Fred Craddock always used to say the problem with Thanksgiving isn't that there's too much food. The problem is there's not enough chairs around the table. So how might it be possible that this whole concept of family could be as rich and wonderful as my generation wants it to be and as expansive and resilient as your generation needs for it to be? There's something. I think I have some answers or at least some direction with that. First of all, we need the older dogs, if you will, uh, a a few things from them. They need to be able to let some people in. They need to be able to give some grace. They have to show bound. They have to teach family boundaries because of a lot of us did not. We're not taught family boundaries, and so a relationship is going to be the thing for me that holds that together. There's this old story about this guy named. Uh, he was a horse trainer, a horse whisperer type guy, like Robert Redford, right? Uh, his Monty something. I can't remember what his last name is, but his dad. Uh, grew up and he would get wild stallions and they would break the horses. Have you, you know, breaking a horse sure. or trying to domesticate it, if you will. And he saw his dad just break the heck out of that horse. Uh, you know, literally physically beat him. And as a young boy, he kind of broke his heart. Well, this Monty guy is the first one to be a horse whisperer where he started to learn how the horses, the lead horse in the herd, would talk to, would communicate with horses, wild horses outside of the herd that uh, would start to come in. And I believe, if I remember the story correctly, is that uh, the wild horse who was the head of the herd, he would challenge the wild horse that was trying to enter the the herd head on, look right at him, letting him know that I am the boss here. But then they would kind of give their flank, give the side and say, but you're invited in. And there would be this process that he would observe out in the wild, if you will. And he brought that into being a horse whisperer where he would literally look at horses and then show the flank. And I think the older generation... uh, has to say, listen, you know, I, you know, I'm the head of this family or I'm the head of this tribe, uh, but I'm going to show a little bit of uh, a tenderness. I'm going to show a little bit of, of, of my side, if you will. Uh, and then there's a, there's a kind of a, uh, a process of being incorporated into something through that. Yeah. And, and I think, and I think that's a really important thing. And, and to be able to say that to the older generation, guys, we need the gatekeeper to uh, to let that gate swing a little bit more. Right. We need that gate a little wider. You know, yeah. I think those are great conversations. And I think from my generation in those kind of situations, we would we would say we would we would like to be prioritized somewhat. We we yeah. would like to not just be a thing mm-hmm. among other things. Uh, if we're doing something, we would like for you to actually keep the appointment, show up somewhere within two hours of on time. Uh, right. And and to engage when yeah. when you get there. So I think those are some things right. that, from both perspectives, if we can just learn yeah. to talk about those, right. we could come with something better for everybody. And for me, on that point, that's the boundaries. 
Like if you want this relate, you're like what you're saying. Yeah. Like if you want this relationship to work, you gotta be on time. You gotta do what you're saying. And for me, from a uh, a man perspective, that's teaching someone to be a man or someone to be an adult would probably be a good way to put it. And uh, uh, so that's one way I think that value of family or value of tribe even. Because uh, we all need a tribe. We all need people to be with. I think that's a way that we can kind of bridge to generations. What's another way do you think we can do that, Shane? What other values do we have that are similar? Well, one of the, the things that I think are important is let, let's take something like uh, politics. I think that's where a lot of people in our respective generations and within families, yeah. it, it causes real problems. Yeah. You know, my, I was always brought up, you don't really discuss religion or, or politics. And the idea was there's no, we don't have a snowball's chance of doing this successfully, so we're just not going to bring them up. I don't know how helpful that is today, mm-hmm. but I do think having some clear rules at family gatherings around, and you talk about boundaries, and I think it's really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Having some clear rules about uh, what are we going to talk about, how can we talk about it? But I think in politics, some of the things we have in common, I think all of us want a strong nation. I think all yeah. of us want a, a nation that, that works well for everybody. Yeah. Uh, I think that by focusing on those type of things, as Christian people, I think we're all called to pray yeah. for our leadership, regardless of who those leaders are. And one thing I think people need to remember, Mike, in the Bible when, when we're told to pray for our leaders, there's not one elected leader in the entire Bible. These, these <laughs> right. people become leaders by dominating the world. So you're talking about tyrants are leaders and friends of tyrants. The idea that they would actually elect somebody, we're not happy with the people we elect. It's a little bit like marriage. You know, back when marriages were prearranged, yeah. the divorce rate was nearly zero. You let us choose our own, it goes terrible. Yeah. So for me, a part of that is, is just having preliminary conversations yeah. about what can we talk about? What are we not going to talk about? How can we talk about things? Yeah. And how yeah. can we focus on what we do share in common? I love that. One of the things, too, I've noticed through looking, reading a little bit of history that I think is lost in my generation, not far uh, history, it's just the negotiations. Uh, and I even think in politics in particular, that can just be done in everyday life that we have with people. Compromise. Compromise. Being Absolutely. not a bad word. Yeah, and then still having... Uh, so, but I do think it's one thing that my generation can learn from the older generation when you used to compromise, negotiate, and still could shake hands and smile at each other at the end of the day. I think a lot of people in my generation, we're talking about cancel culture in a previous episode, we just want the whole house to burn down. And, yeah. you know, bring everyone, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think part of it is, is clarity around priorities. So if my priority is first and foremost to have a family, and to have a loving family, that has to be placed at the very, very top. Then everything else must support that priority. So arguments that aren't going to go anywhere, that are just going to divide people, those things, I always say, Mike, if you answer the big questions, the little ones get pretty easy. Mm-hmm. If you answer the big questions about what do you want your family to look like, what do you want your extended family to look like, how do you want your relationships to operate between generations, I think if you answer those mm, big questions, yeah. then the little ones get really clear. Is discussing this topic going to help or hurt yeah. those big questions? And if we could just think a little bit yeah. and and not feel all the time, yeah. 
And and if we could just get to the place where we could say, you know what? Uh, just because you disagree with me doesn't mean you hate me. Right. It, it doesn't it, mean you're rejecting me. Yes. It just means you have a different point yeah. of view. Yeah. That's that's just kind of acting like grown-ups. That brings a lot in my mind. One of the thing is, you know, when you don't have parents along, uh, don't have so many parents, you feel a rejection within you, which could add into this entire thing. But I love what you're saying uh, with priority. If my top priorities is that I want to be right or I want to look good, or just this winner's mentality, and I'm going into meetings with people, or if I'm meeting with family, that's not going to go well. No. But if it is, if we truly do care for family, if we care for uh, each other, and those other things uh, fall behind that, then it's going to work out. You know something I'm learning, Mike? Here I am. I'm 58 years old. Here's something I'm learning. Okay. Listen and shut up. (laughs) I don't have to have an opinion on everything. And I can keep a lot of those opinions to myself. So... Sometimes it's helpful for me just to listen to somebody yeah. and not feel that I need to respond or, or rebut. I will even tell people sometimes these days, I'll say thank you that you felt you could share that with me. Sure. Because I, I truly do appreciate it. Why does everything have to go to that next step? Maybe what you're telling me, Mike, maybe you're not trying to get in an argument. You've just got something you feel strong about that you want to communicate with right. me. Why can't I just say thank you? You know, uh, pie? You know, uh, would you like a cookie? Yeah. Why do we have to push everything until it gets polarized? Yeah. I, I mm. think that's a great question. Why can't we just let stuff go? Yeah. I, and I, not I, everything you can let go. But I'm telling you, we can let far more things go than we do. Yeah, and you're right. It, get, it does push to the point of polarization. I really like that. Here's another thing, Shane. I think that millennials can really learn from your generation is how to build something. I do think one of the negatives with this organic growth, the weak side of it or the dark side of it, is that you can do a lot of organic growth, and at the end of the day, you got nothing to show for it. Right. right. <laughs> you know what it's I mean? It's intrinsically inefficient, right? It really yeah. is. Like, no, I really put a lot of work in something, and there's nothing to show with it, where I think your generation uh, put work in, and you have something to show for it at the end of the day. And I do think that's one thing that you can uh, – that the boomers can help the millennials with. And yet, I think one thing that we need to be honest about is though we may have a lot to show for it. You know, look at the net worth of boomers. We're, we're going to die rich as, mm. as a group. Uh, you know, you can look at the net worth, but one of the things we have to be honest about is, is what did it cost us? Did it cost us one marriage, two marriages, three marriages? Has it cost us estranged children? Has it cost us our sense of right and wrong? Has it cost us our faith? And one of the things I see in your generation, you're just saying, mom and dad, uh, maybe it cost too much and maybe we were part of the price that you paid Mm. for that success. What right did you have to uh, cash, to check out of our lives because you had something you valued yeah. even more. And I think a lot of times, you know, when I was growing up, you always look at your parents and you always think you're going to do a better job. And then you do the exact same things. I remember how shocked I was that my kids, when they became adults, had some issues with me because I thought I was just great, you know. <laughs> and, and it's just a shocking thing. But I think part of being functional and talking between generations is just being honest about your own shortcomings and your mm. own failures. And we say, well, we're success and, and you're not as successful. Okay, but what did that success cost us? Yeah. 
And what is there you might could admire yeah. about the efficiency and production? What can we yeah. admire about the things that you value, like family and relationships? I, I think we have a lot to teach each other, Mike. And, and understanding that, I think, is a huge part of the conversation. Me as a boomer, I'm not always in a position of teaching you. I need to humble right. myself sure. to realize you also have a lot to teach me. Absolutely. There's so much more we could talk about on this subject, but we want to thank you for joining us for Navigating Change with Shane and Mike today. We, uh, If you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, you can find that at Podbean. You can find it at Apple Podcasts. If you want to hear more from me and Shane, go to Shane, ReverendShaneBishop.com or RevMikeWu.com. Thank you for joining us, and make sure that you keep the change.